What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, February 4th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Travel Anderson, and this is What A Day, the official podcast sponsor of the snow machines at the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. Yes, we are not sponsoring the event itself, but we did sponsor the snow machines and their operators, and so we'll feature them heavily for the next two weeks. We couldn't cut a deal with the Zamboni drivers, unfortunately. Difficult negotiators. <laughs> On today's show, the FBI identifies suspects amid a wave of bomb threats against historically black colleges and universities. Plus, an anti-vax trucker protest continues to disrupt things in Canada's capital city. But first, yesterday morning, President Biden said that the U.S. had conducted a raid in Syria during which the leader of ISIS died. Last night, operating on my orders, the United States military forces successfully moved a major terrorist threat to the world the global leader of ISIS, known as Haji Abdullah. He took over as leader of ISIS in uh, 2019 after the United States counterterrorism operation killed al-Baghdadi. Since then, ISIS has directed terrorist operations targeting Americans, our allies and our partners, and countless civilians in the Middle East, Africa, and in South Asia. Biden went on to say that the leader, who also went by Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qureshi, died when he detonated a bomb that also killed members of his own family. There were at least three civilian deaths that were confirmed by the Pentagon with no American casualties, though according to an AP report, an ISIS lieutenant and his wife and child may have been killed as well. Biden said that the administration elected to use ground forces instead of an airstrike to avoid civilian casualties. And recent airstrikes that have killed civilians have led to tremendous criticism for him. Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, said that the civilian deaths should be investigated, quote, while keeping in mind the history of ISIS leaders using civilians as human shields. We will stay on this story as we learn more in the days ahead. Now on to some of the trans-related reporting I teased at the top of the year. Yesterday, South Dakota became the first state to pass an anti-trans bill in 2022 when Governor Kristi Noem signed SB 46 into law. Referring to this bill, which bans trans girls from playing on girls' sports teams, the governor's chief of staff, Mark Miller, said, quote, By putting it in law, we are ensuring that what we're seeing all over the country does not happen in South Dakota. It's sort of like terrorism. <laughs> if... This situation is sort of like terrorism. What does Mark think of ISIS? Listen. <laughs> the, the, the group that we were just talking about. Questions that need answers. <laughs> Outside of South Dakota, there are also developments in the world of collegiate swimming, as top performer Leah Thomas, who is trans, has been at the center of discourse surrounding policies by the organizing bodies that oversee the sport, the NCAA, and USA Swimming. These policies give credence to the unfounded and medically dubious idea that trans people have 
an unfair advantage. But this is just a sliver of the attacks trans people are experiencing right now. According to a recently released human rights campaign report, the number of anti-trans bills likely to move through state legislators nationwide this year will hit a record high of roughly 280. Wow. For reference, in 2020, there were about 79 anti-trans bills. Last year, there were 147. So that's 133 more anti-trans bills this year. And this coordinated effort is likely unfolding in whatever state you're listening to us from today, because almost 30 states out of 50 of them, in case you forgot, have already introduced anti-trans bills. To learn more about this legislative and political dumpster fire, and especially how we can all get involved, last week I spoke to Chase Strangio, one of the ACLU lawyers combating these measures. Chase, welcome to What A Day. Thank you for having me in these very, very distressing and depressing times, but it is nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Thanks for being here. So I know you've been watching a number of bills across the country. Let's start by giving folks an idea of a handful of the states and the types of measures that are being put forth. Yeah, so every year for the last, let's say, seven years, it just gets worse and worse. And it is bleak. It is scary. Um, Some states haven't even started their sessions, but they have a lot of pre-filed bills. For example, in Arizona, I think we are at close to 20 anti-LGBTQ bills already introduced, about half of them targeting trans folks. Um, There are some really scary bills in Mississippi, um, including a health care ban that would ban care up to age 21. Wow. And Indiana, there are lots of bills that have been introduced in Missouri and, and Oklahoma. I mean, we're talking about a huge swath of the country bills targeting trans people in multiple aspects of life. And it's early. It's, you know, we are just at the beginning and it's already pretty scary out there. So what, from your vantage point, is driving what seems to be this like drastic increase in anti-trans legislation? And what does that say about this moment we are in as a country for trans folks? I mean, I think first and foremost, um, when we think about this contemporary moment, you know, we have to sort of recognize it in connection to the Supreme Court's decision in 2013 striking down Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, because that then leads the way to the voter suppression and gerrymandering measures that we see over the past decade that result in this incredibly rightward shift in state legislatures. Um, And then obviously that's going to be reflected at the federal level in congressional uh, elections as well. So there's that sort structural backdrop. Then there's the sort of reality that this is just a continuation of the attacks that we saw on, you know, cis, gay, and lesbian people in the context of marriage equality. Mm -hmm. Shifting to trans people because we had not, you know, built up um, in the movement, you know, sufficient support for trans folks. And so then, Mm -hmm. you know, you have 2016 launches the backlash and the the, the sort of so-called bathroom bills. And then that sort of breaks into two different strands. There's the true believer strand. There are the lawmakers who truly do hate us, who are sort of part of particularly the far Christian right that is sort of ideologically committed to policy enactments that reinforce the sort of Christian, heterosexual, nuclear, cisgender family. And then there's just sort of like what we might understand as the culture war part of it. Like lots of these Republican lawmakers do not care about this at all. It is truly about mobilizing the base, going into the midterm elections. This is strategic. And then globally, there is a rise in anti-trans rhetoric, and that is sort of manifest in the cultural discourse, in the policymaking. There is a real precarity to trans 
bodies and trans lives in this moment because of the fixation on controlling us. Yeah. A lot of the bills that we've seen both this year and even the ones that are kind of moving through this year um, are targeting trans youth, specifically in the context of sports or them using the bathrooms of their choice. Why, from your vantage point, are lawmakers targeting trans youth specifically, does that make their case any easier in any particular way? I feel always so confused about the targeting of kids because I'm like, aren't kids like sympathetic? Don't you want to like be nice to them? And the answer is almost (laughs) universally no. I mean, if you think about like the goal is to stop people from being trans. And so the idea is if we intervene early, we could steer you on a path to Mm. cisness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's that sort of true objective to we can have better outcomes if we sort of quote unquote help young people find their path towards cisness, which will then result in them being better, happier adults, which as you know, you know, that is completely impossible and wrong. Mm -hmm. There's always a way in which protecting quote unquote, women and children is used to build supremacist power. We use this sort of protecting women and children rhetoric, which is always either explicitly or implicitly white women and children Mm -hmm. to justify wars, to justify expanded police power, to justify intrusions on privacy. And that's what we're seeing here, too. Yeah, I've heard a lot of activists and advocates talk about how um, they're worried that these bills targeting trans youth are just the beginning of now these state legislators beginning to target trans adults. Is that kind of trajectory what you see as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, yes, definitely. We see that because it's an entry point to do more, to enhance the authority of the state to decide that transness is bad, which then allows for more power to regulate and diminish access to care for trans people generally. You know, Mississippi has already in their proposed legislation defined minor up to 21. And if the courts ultimately decide that stopping people from being trans is a good and legitimate outcome, then that will then justify a host of intrusions. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, not just for trans people, um, because if somehow, you know, the state gets to decide, you know, to override doctors, to override parents, to override patients, that's going to have a host of consequences for all of us. I mean, this is a huge expansion of state power into people's private lives. You know, they want the government, you know, small enough to fit in your bedroom, so to speak. I'm wondering, considering how much anti-trans hate is going through slate legislators all at once, is there still, from your, your vantage point, a way to turn the tide back in the opposite direction? state power is at its peak with people who are most susceptible to state control. So that's, of course, people living in poverty, young people, people who are incarcerated are, you know, interfacing with the state the most. And I think we're going to see those expansions and already have, obviously. Um, but that doesn't mean there's nothing we we can do. There are reasons to, you know, really doubt the efficacy of litigation right now. I mean, look at the, the Supreme Court is poised at this point to overturn Roe and overturn our affirmative action precedent in a single term. Mm-hmm. I think, though, the reality is that that we can have all of this backlash, but what cannot be undone is the reality that trans people are, we, there are more of us. Mm-hmm. We are caring for each other in new ways. We understand how to build support structures for each other. That simply is not going to be taken away. And I think that we have to lean into that. Um, continuing to shift the public discourse, have conversations. Ultimately, that's going to be our pressure point to changing the structures. But interfacing with those structures, obviously, is incredibly limited, particularly in this moment. 
So now we have, you know, presumably a lot of cis people who are listening right now, folks who like to get activated on these various issues. What can people do to get involved and possibly stop some of these bills from moving forward in their own states? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, first and foremost, contact lawmakers in your state. You know, we're talking about, you know, by the end of this session, two thirds of the country will have anti-trans bills, which means the likelihood that someone lives in a state that is considering one of these bills is high. Mm -hmm. Um, And our opponents are great at driving constituent contact. Um, They are great at getting people to contact lawmakers and saying, support these bills. And we have to show up and say, no, oppose these bills. They are harmful. And especially for cis women, I think, show up and say, don't do this in my name. I think to donating to and supporting trans-led organizations and work at the local level. You know, I often will go to Trans Justice Funding Project. They have lists of grantees. They are funding trans-led work in almost every state in the country. Go look at the list. Find a trans-led org in your state. Donate to them. And then also, you know, this again is a battle that is playing out in the public conversation, in cultural spaces, which means that we can shift it, you know, in our families, in our communities. If someone is at, you know, some family dinner table talking about how, you know, trans people are dominating in sports, stop them and say, well, no, they're not. (laughs) Um, And really, it's on all of us to shift those conversations. And that's always a role that we can play in these moments of attack. I love that. Chase Strangio from the ACLU, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Let's keep doing this. (laughs) We will, of course, stay on this story, but that is the latest for now. We'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Yesterday, the Biden administration accused Russia of planning a staged attack by Ukraine in order to justify an invasion into the country. State Department spokesperson Ned Price said officials were making this information public to deter Russia from following through on the planned false flag operation. He explained that Russians intended to make a propaganda video, quote, with graphic scenes of false explosions, depicting corpses, crisis actors pretending to be mourners, and images of destroyed locations or military equipment. As of now, this intelligence has not been corroborated, and some argue more evidence needs to be seen, particularly considering the intelligence community's record. Here is a frustrated AP News reporter, Matt Lee, during Price's briefing with reporters yesterday. What is the evidence that they, I mean, this is like crisis actors, really? This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. What evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the making? Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government, intelligence information that we have declassified. I think you well, know. Okay, well, where where is it? Hmm. Yeah, the whole clip is pretty astonishing. So all this comes as Russia amassed more troops near the Ukrainian border and in neighboring Belarus earlier this week. And the U.S. announced that 3,000 more troops would be deployed to help defend NATO allies. The Kremlin has since denounced the U.S. for deploying troops and accused America of igniting tensions. The FBI identified multiple people suspected of making bomb threats directed at historically black colleges and universities. Earlier this week, more than 20 HBCUs locked down their campuses in response to a wave of such threats. At least six of those schools received threats on Monday and on Tuesday, the first day of Black History Month, there were 14. The FBI is currently investigating these threats as hate crimes. No arrests have been made, but a law enforcement official reported that they identified, quote, six juveniles as persons of interest. And according to BuzzFeed News, a neo-Nazi group may have been behind at least one of those scares. This week marked the third time in just one month that Howard University in Washington, D.C. had to warn its students about the possibility of a bomb on campus. New data from the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism shows that 2021 marked a massive spike in suspected hate crimes. The start of 2022 is not showing any major improvements. Unfortunately, that last sentence could be put at the end of most Very much so, yes. About this year. <laughs> Uh, the industry leader in the field of destroying teen girls' self-image, Facebook's parent company Meta, took a major hit yesterday on Wall Street, 
shaving nearly $230 billion off its market value. Wow. That is a single day drop of 26.4%, which is the biggest in the company's history. And it is the result of a few factors. So for one thing, Facebook reported it had lost daily active users for the first time in its history. There's also been a high cost and no immediate measurable returns following Meta's big bet on the metaverse, a thing somewhere between Second Life and The Matrix that is funny now but could dominate our lives (laughs) within five years. Play the tape back for me then. Uh, And notably, the company took a major hit after Apple updated its operating system to limit ad tracking, which is a huge source of revenue for Meta and its peers. It's a reminder to all of us to never forget our worth and specifically the worth of our browsing habits to advertisers who want to sell us futuristic resistance bands. (laughs) The protesters that are as long as many protesters standing in a line, big rig truck drivers, are currently blocking downtown roads in Canada's capital city, Ottawa, as part of anti-COVID precaution demonstrations that have gone on now for nearly a week. The movement describes itself as a, quote, freedom convoy, and specifically, it opposes a federal COVID-19 vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers. Some participants are also calling for the removal of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau claiming he exceeded his authority. More than 200 truckers were blocking roads as of yesterday, but thousands of protesters have joined in, and a smaller trucker blockade has materialized on the U.S.-Canada border. But Trudeau said there is, quote, no question of sending the military to break through the blockade in Ottawa yesterday, ending many a young boy's fantasy of an epic trucks versus tanks showdown. (laughs) A crowdfund that raised over $7.8 million for the protesters was paused on Wednesday by GoFundMe for possible terms of use violations, but it was not shut down. At least one swastika and Confederate flag were on display at a trucker protest this weekend, so there are bad eggs among the peaceful anti-vaxxers. I would have never guessed. Also, among (laughs) uh, the young boys' fantasies being destroyed are one of a man named Michael Bay, who (laughs) would have certainly loved the inspiration that that could have led to. Surely. Wow. Yeah, that's just a lot to a lot for me to take in. <laughs> but those are the headlines. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, pick a side on the Trucks versus Tanks showdown, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the endless lines of green code that form the metaverse like me, <laughs> What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Travel Anderson. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and keep, keep that, that snow, snow coming, coming, snow, snow machines. machines. You're contractually obliged to, according to the documents we sent. Yes, it needs to feel like winter at the Winter Olympics. <laughs> yeah, or we don't get paid. And that's a problem for you. <laughs> that is our deal. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein with writing support from Jossie Kaufman. And our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. 